life and then act accordingly. Amen? All right. Well, thank you so much for being a part of us tonight. Uh, it's already been a great night. I really enjoyed the worship and, and the tithes and offerings. Uh, the jokes, eh. <laughs> so, we welcome everybody on live stream that's watching and uh, what, or watching by video or listening later on as, to a recording. And uh, welcome. We, uh, we have been in 1 John for some months now. And we will continue in 1 John chapter 5 starting tonight. Uh, there's something here I want you to see in the first few verses that's a, it's very important. And it's actually something I think that you'll find is pretty cool as well. 1 John chapter 5, uh, we'll turn to verse 1. But before we do that, we want to just review what is 1 John about. So, and if you'll excuse me, if somebody can go check, I did see a kid run by there a few minutes ago that I didn't recognize. <laughs> so <laughs> somebody might want to check on that. So um, 1 John chapter 1, not 5, but chapter 1, verse 1 through 4 says this, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So is this in theory that he's talking, or is it in a physical reality? It's in a physical reality. He's talking about things that, man, he, he, they saw with their own physical eyes, touched with their hands. He's talking about a reality of God. All right, verse 2. And the life was manifested... And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Or you can say it this way, was brought to mankind. That's what manifest is talking about. In other words, what life may have been in the spirit, it manifested, it became real in the flesh. And we saw it, we touched it, we felt it, we experienced it. He's saying this life was manifested to us. Now that's very important because of what he's about to say. Verse 3, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. So what I'm saying in all of this book, the whole reason I'm saying this and writing this book is so that what we saw and what we experienced and what was manifested to us, I'm telling you about it. And I'm telling you about it for a reason. It says, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. And so, in other words, uh, let me just demonstrate this. Uh, Tara and Jeff, will y'all come here for a second? And just stand right there. And then Barrett and Nicole, will y'all come right here? Now, I know this is, this is simple, but here's what it's saying. It's saying that, all right, let's say this is John, and he's saying, look, we experienced this life. So in other words, they saw the life of God. They, they felt the presence of God. They saw, they touched, they touched Jesus. Touch me. They touched Him. They experienced. He was manifested. He was manifested in real to Him. And then he says, look, we write this, and we proclaim what we have done because now that Jesus is not on the earth physically, he's saying, we write this because we want you to fellowship with us 
So in other words, he's saying, I'm writing these things so that in spirit and in flesh, you can fellowship with them. So come fellowship with them. Amen. So that they can be together, them and the Son and the Father. Jesus can be in them. And then it says, so that all of our joy may be made complete. That all of our joy may be made complete. That's a huge statement. That's an incredible statement. So he's saying, look, we want you to fellowship with us. We want you to have the same kind of manifested presence and love just like we had with Jesus by ourselves. Now we want you, and here's the thing, and you can experience him the same way we experienced him. Amen? All right, thank you. Sometimes just seeing that really sets things off and alive inside of you. And so, amen. So, all of 1 John was written for this purpose. And I would say most of what John wrote in general did the same thing. He was trying to get us to a reality that was beyond what we're experiencing now. He was trying to get us into a strength and a life of God that was beyond what we have been experiencing. Now, if you were here for the Reset series, and uh, I don't know if you were or not, and if you weren't, I would highly recommend you go watch that, listen to that series. There's a couple of them you'll want to watch because there's some visual things in it. But if you were here for that series, what we very uh, easily in the Word determined was this. Here's where we're walking, thinking that we're doing things of God, but where God actually wants us, and we think we're doing good here. But the truth of the matter is we are so far removed from the original intentions of God. And I'm talking about us. I'm talking about us, Boomerang, today. I'm talking about the church and the world in 2015. Where God wants us to be is so far removed from that, we don't even know what the real reality is. Okay, So what John is saying in this is, and we proved that in the Reset series. We went in, you need to see that if you hadn't seen it or heard it. And so what we said was, and, and what John is saying is, look, no matter where you're at, let's say that over there is the perfect will of God, and no matter where you are at in this place, he said, I'm telling you these things so that no matter where you're at, you can get to where you need to be at and your joy may be full. So that makes what he's saying pretty doggone important. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, John, you got my attention. Let's, I want to hear what you got to say. And all we talked about over and over and over again throughout the first four chapters, and well, there's a lot that he talks about, but one of the major themes in there is What's the difference between a Christian, a real Christian, and a non-Christian? What's the fruit? And why is he telling us this? In other words, what should you as a Christian be expecting to be fruit coming out of your life? And he's showing you, this is what makes it real. This is what makes it real. This is what makes it real. This is why you know that you're born again. And, and why is he telling us these things? He's not just telling us to say, oh man, you're not doing that, now feel bad about yourself. <laughs> That's not why he's telling you. He's telling you that so that you can change your mindset and start seeing things the way that God has for you. And when you do that, your joy will be made complete. But it, you have to be willing to take a very honest look at your life and say, hmm, maybe I got some stuff to change. 
You know, and, and that's just it. If we're not changing, what are we doing here? I mean, we might as well not, honestly, we might as well not be here. If we're not changing, if we are not actively changing, do you realize that God had a plan tonight to have this service? You are sitting in this service or hearing this service, and if you're hearing this, God has a plan in this message to change you otherwise or to change your life, to take it to another level. Otherwise, why are you listening? You see? We've got to recognize that, that change is very, very important. And we've got to be willing. You know what? Um, can I pick on you, Lee, a little bit? <laughs> All right. This is really a big compliment, okay? Here, here's the thing. Now, I noticed this first, you know, Sunday morning. I thought about this. I've been thinking about it all week. And I, and I was going to tell you privately, but it's a perfect example if you'll let me here. And I know, he has no idea what I'm about to say. So he's like, ah. So, <laughs> now here's the thing. Now, I, Lee just came and visited for the first time on Sunday morning. Now, he has, he has another church that he's going to, but he came and he visited at the first of the year. He told me he, had, he was wanting to do that at some point. But here's the thing. He came and visited. Now, he's been coming on Wednesday night for quite some time. God's been, you know, pressing your buttons, and he's been touching you, and I know that. But here on this past Sunday morning, he shows up, and a lot of times I'm preaching in jeans, and, like, I got a sweater on tonight, but this Sunday I had, I had a shirt untucked, you know, which is how the Lord told me to preach. You know, that wasn't something I just flippantly did. I sought the Lord when we started Boomerang. What do you want me to wear? The Holy Spirit said, ask me what you want me to wear. And, and I said, okay, what do you want me to wear? And he said, well, and I thought I'd be wearing like khakis and a button-up shirt, you know, maybe a coat sometimes, rarely a tie. That's what I would have chosen. Uh, but the Lord actually surprised me. And I'll tell you, I was uncomfortable when he said wear jeans. I was uncomfortable with that, okay? And I was like, uh -huh. And the first time I stepped out there, and we were starting Boomerang six years ago, this Sunday will be six years. Amen. Praise God. So I was stepping out there the first Sunday, and I'm in jeans. I was going, I am not comfortable in this. I am preaching the Word of God, and I got jeans on. <laughs> you know. And I was not comfortable with this. Now, so this particular Sunday, last Sunday, it was like everybody was pretty laid back on Sunday. I mean, there was... But, but Lee has probably most of your life... Now, I'm guessing, you correct me if I'm wrong... Most of your life, you've probably gone to a service and you've worn mostly a suit and tie, and that's the standard and that's the norm, okay? Is that correct? Okay. So, that's what he wears in here on Sunday, and he's expecting that. And he walks in, and the truth of the matter is, I think you're the only one with a tie on. So, um, I think you were the only one with a tie on. But here's the other thing. Now, you, you have been seeking the Lord uh, for a good portion of your life, at least, you've had a relationship with the Lord. And yet, you've got this young whippersnapper guy that you came and heard one time. And you've been listening and allowing God uh, to speak through me to you. And now, even so far, to go, you know what? This is, this is the piece. I'm willing, this is what I believe your heart was saying this Sunday. And this is what spoke to me. It made, it made, it made me tenderhearted on it. And... It blessed me. You know what? I don't know everything there is to know. But I do know that I need to grow in God constantly. Even if I've been going after Him all my life, that does not uh, give me a pass 
to stop growing and changing for God. And it doesn't matter even if I got to go to a place where they don't wear what I'm used to wearing, where they don't do things like I'm used to do. I'm willing to go after God so that I can change and be who God wants me to be. Is that true? Yep. And so, here's the point in all that. If we don't have that kind of attitude, and you'll have, I, I guarantee you, the Holy Spirit will challenge you to go even further in that because I, I know how He works in that and I know how He's challenged me as well. He will challenge you to, to even give up more of Lee and look more like Jesus, you know, and, and lift Him up in your life even higher and put down who the world has taught you Lee was for quite some time. And that goes for all of us. And the thing is, if we don't carry that attitude into the service, into our lives, we're going to miss God. And so when we're sitting here and we don't know where we are, but we know God's place is over here, then we ought to be looking at whatever God has to say and say, I'm willing to change. I, well, I've done this for 40 years this way. If I'm not there with God... I've got to change. I, well, I've been thinking this way for 35 years. I've had this. I proved it to myself. But I just saw that this is not God. If I'm not there with Him, I've got to change. I've got to. I, I remember when I first started ministering, first started preaching, and the Lord started giving me instruction on how to grow up in Him. And one of the things that He said was, uh, you go after me, and I will teach you. Which, that's a pretty big promise. When the Lord says, I will teach you. And uh, I, would, I would say that he did exactly that. But he gave me this warning. He said, you must be unbiased. You must be unbiased. In other words, if you bring your pet doctrine into me, and, and you are not allowing that to be examined by the light, the truth of the light of God's Word, then you're going to miss it. And you will keep a doctrine that will not match up with where I want you to go, and you won't be able to go there. So you've got to be able to hand, even what you think is, listen, there's a lot of people that are carrying things that they think is godly, and it ain't godly. But they've been taught that it is. And if you're not willing to, look, and, and here's the assurance that we have. If it's godly, it will remain to be godly. But I'm, anything that is godly will hold up to that word. It will take examination forwards and backwards and it will still stand. So I don't have to worry about getting unsteady or about God's uh, theology and doctrine getting unsteady. I've got to be concerned with myself and say, have I missed it somewhere in the past where somebody with very good intentions was teaching me the wrong things, but now I see this in the Word, i got to trust Him. i got to trust Him and be willing to change. It's very important to us moving forward. And if we want to have our joy complete, then we got to be willing to do just that. So, now, that... If you haven't heard 1 John chapter 1 through 4, man, it has been just outstanding. You you there's we go in we've been going into it in depth, verse by verse, and it's been huge. It's talking a lot about the love of God and love for your brethren. And so uh one of the things that we want want to make sure that you know going into this is it's talking, it's all about love. 
Alright? So, here's verse 1 in chapter 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, before we go any further, I want you to notice that where it says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ. And we're going to come back to that. That Jesus is the Christ. Okay, we're going to come back to that. So, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. Um, So, let's put this up in the New American Standard. So, it says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child that is born of Him. It says this, now where it says he loves the child, if you're looking at it, verse 1, New American Standard, verse 1. He says, whoever loves the father loves the child that's born of him. Now if you'll notice that where it says whoever loves the child, if you have it in the New American Standard, it will be in italics. Okay. Now italics in the New American Standard means this, that word was not in there in the first place. Okay, so that word, now on our version that's up on the screen, it's not in italics, but if you look in a Bible, it'll be in italics. Now that word means, in other words, most people will say, and whoever loves Jesus is born of him, and loves Jesus who was born of him. They say the child, and they say he's born of him. Now, the translators put the child in there. I would disagree that that word should not be in there, and and here's why. Because it's not, and the next verse says this, verse 2 says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. So the context here is not just the child, it's whoever is born of God. And so if you go back to verse 1, it says, because a lot of people will say this, I believe in Jesus, I love Jesus. And then then something will come up and it will be like, but your brother uh, needs help right now. I love Jesus. <laughs> you know, and, and the brother is like, you know, pushed to the side. But Jesus made it clear, excuse me, John made it clear throughout the rest of 1 John that loving Jesus is loving the brother. You can't love what's in front of you that you, that, that, or excuse me, you can't love what you can't see in Jesus and in God and not love what's in front of you. You've got, so he says here again, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. So if you took the word child out there, it would say, whoever uh, loves the Father loves what's born of him. Loves the born of him. Loves the offspring, in other words. In other words, you're not just going to love Jesus in word and action only. And a matter of fact, if you're in action loving Jesus, you're loving the children as well. And this, this says it in verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God. So you can see that the context is that. When we love God and observe His commandments. When we love God and we observe His commandments. Remember how we talked about love? Love is a choice and a commitment to unconditional giving at the leading of God. That's love. A choice and a commitment to unconditional giving 
at the leading of God. And how many times did it say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So we can't be saying, I love God, I love God, I love God, and then we're not keeping His commandments. Now, when it says commandments, it's just not just talking about the ten. It's talking about, how's He leading your heart right now? You know, Holy Spirit, what are you leading me to do? You know, should I go this way or that way? Do you want me to... to uh, Help this person in this way, or do you want me to do it in that way? It's seeking God and being led by Him. So it's not just the commandments, like the Ten Commandments. It's what is the Holy Spirit commanding in your heart right now? We're not under the law anymore. We're not under the written commandments. We're under the commandment of the heart, or the law of the heart. What's written on our heart through the Holy Spirit. So in other words, we're being led. For instance, I believe that you had told me that the Lord led you to come and, and visit one Sunday. So even though that may have been a challenge for you, may, that may have been breaking outside of your box, you know. Even so, you, in obedience, you said, okay, Lord, I'll go. I'll go. That's what we've got to do. We've got to be willing to step out of comfort zones. And I can, I can, we've talked about this. I can promise you the Holy Spirit will draw you out of your comfort zone absolutely if you don't think if you think that you are going to live as an ambassador on this earth in your comfort zones you got another thing coming because your comfort zones have been defined by this world and they're all messed up we got to get a new set of comfort zones and they're called victory in Christ in whatever situation he puts us into storm Good weather makes no difference. We find our comfort by trusting in Him and being obedient to what He says. New comfort zones. But that means it's going to put pressure on your flesh because the flesh and the Spirit are always warring against each other. It's going to put pressure on your flesh. You're going to have to step out of what you would call comfort zones. All right, verse 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, I think it's interesting that it says this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments aren't burdensome. And so in other words, it's not just doing it. You know, have you ever done something? It's good for us just to step out, even if we don't have full revelation, but we know it's God. You know, I know God wants me to go that way. I don't know what's down that way or what it's going to be required of me, but it's good for us to go ahead and step that way. Uh, Abram, before he was Abraham, you remember Abram, God told him, go south. Now, he didn't know where, he didn't know how, he didn't know where he was going to end up. He packed up his stuff and hit the road because he knew it was God. So we don't always have to have revelation, but as soon as we know that it's God and the timing is God right then, then we need to start stepping. Okay. However, there comes a place. Can you imagine, have you ever tried to start stepping out in God? And it wasn't fun. And it continued to not be fun for quite some time. You know, I, I, I know uh, Nicole, when she started speaking in front of people, I, matter of fact, I think she made the comment this last week, every time, even when she gets up here to do the offering, she still has that nervousness. It's not a comfortable place for her flesh. But I, let me tell you, she's a lot better now than she was before. Because before, it was like... Hey, <laughs> y'all... I mean, she now she wasn't letting it be seen that much, but that's the way she was feeling. 
I mean, she, she was not comfortable. But because she gave herself over to the Lord, now she's able to bless a lot of people because of that obedience. And so, in, in other words, what we've got to find is we've got to continue. Just because we do it one time is not enough. We need to say, we've got to learn how to continue in the path of God until the path of God stops being a burden to us. This is true love. Okay? So, let's read this in uh, the New Living, and let's read the same verses. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. I'm saying that just sounds so simple, the way that rolls off there. Verse 2, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Now you're going to see, do I really love God? Let me Just ask yourself that question right now. Do I really love God? Do I really love God? And this is what you need to ask. Am I keeping His commandments? Am I sold out to Him? That doesn't mean you got everything right. But as soon as God brings up something in your life, you make the change. You make the right choice. As soon as He says, do this, do that, I'm keeping His commandments. And here's a really good litmus test that you can pull out your checkbook and pull out your calendar. Because... What people love is who they're going to give money and time to. Those are the two most important things. Pull out your checkbook, pull out your calendar. That's a great test for if you love God. Now, I'm not trying to pressure you into something. I'm trying to give you a way of seeing, am I really in love with God or am I just saying it? Because those two things, they'll tell you real quick. (laughs) They'll tell you real fast where you're at. All right? Verse 3, loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Now, um, here's something. This was a quote by A.T. Robertson. He says, the reason why God's commandments are not heavy is the power that comes with the new birth from God. So, here's the thing. Your flesh, that doesn't mean that your flesh is not going to try and throw a fit when you go off after God. It probably still is, but the power of God through the new birth will give you the strength to step out of that bondage and let that bondage fall off behind you and you step into easy and light. And so you may, you may, your flesh may still be trying to throw a fight at you and throw an argument at you because it don't like the choices you're making now. I don't want to get up on Sunday morning and go see all them people smiling and hugging on me at Boomerang. I'm tired. I don't, you know. And your flesh may be throwing that fit, but you got to say, no flesh, the word says what it says. And if I'm going to be obedient, and so it, uh, it, all of a sudden your spirit says, hey, flesh, you got to stay over there and no longer are you dragging me down anymore because you're empowered through the new birth. You're empowered. Let me read that quote again. It said, the reason why God's commandments are not heavy is the power that comes with the new birth from God. That's huge. And let me put it this way. Even though you're still feeling the weight of maybe some of those commandments now, there's a place where you can get to where they're not burdensome anymore. Let me give you that hope. 
there's a place in God where it's easy to make the right choices. You know, it's not saying that your flesh won't still try to rise up and tell you stuff. It will. <laughs> that it, if it had a job, that's it. Give your spirit a hard time. All right? <laughs> that's, that's it. it. It's going to do that. All right? Now, in the message, listen to this. And um, the message translation, I was reading something today on the message. It's not really a translation. It's a paraphrase, and the difference is it wasn't trying to exactly translate what was being said. I read about a little bit about the history of where the message paraphrase came from, and, uh, and I love this because have you ever, if you've spent any time in the message, what you'll find is, man, it just kind of comes alive to you. It's like, it's like somebody's standing up here reading a message to you. There's a, there's a, a, a passion in it, right? Well, there's a reason for that. Uh, in the Greek language, their language was a lot more passionate and descriptive than ours is. And uh, so there was a passion that was built in. So the guy who wrote the message paraphrase, he noticed he was teaching a class and there was a whole bunch of people falling asleep. And he found that they were not connecting with the scriptures the same way that the new believers were connected to the scriptures back in the times when the Bible was written. And part of the reason was the difference between the languages. And so what he tried to do was write in uh, contemporary English the passion that was in the original language. And he, it wasn't an exact translation, but he tried to paraphrase and, and bring across the emotion and the power that was in that original. And I think Although it's not an exact translation, I think he captures some of the spirit that was the Holy Spirit that was in those those letters that were written. And so that's why it kind of sticks out and reads the way that it does. But I want you to know that it's not uh, an exact translation. Matter of fact, he said, the author of it, he said, I really don't like it when pastors set up read the message, paraphrase, and say, and God said, and then they read out of the message, he said, because that's not really what he said, this is a paraphrase. And so, anyway, just wanted to give you that little tidbit. Uh, in the message, it says this, every person who believes that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah, is God begotten. If we love the one who conceives the child, will surely love the child who was conceived, be it Jesus or another Christian. The reality test on whether or not we love God's children is this. Do we love God? I love that. The reality test on whether or not we love God's children is this. Do we love God? Do we keep His commands? There's a reality test. The proof that we love God comes when we keep his commandments and they are not at all troublesome. Now, I can tell you, I don't know if you've gotten to this place on any commandment at all, at all but I can tell you there's a place where keeping his commands stop being troublesome to the flesh. That doesn't mean that you don't still have stuff to change. I, I still have stuff to change constantly that the Lord shows me. He leads me. Matter of fact, uh, Monday night, Nicole and I were talking about something, and I even told Nicole, I said, I feel like I, I feel like I have known nothing up until this point because of some revelation that God had just given me, and I needed to change. 
I needed to change. It might have been slight, but it was huge in its effect and in its outcome. And I was telling her, you know, the more I get into the Word, the more I realize just how far off I am from where God really wants us to be. And just because I might be doing, may or may not be, doing better than somebody else, makes no difference about where I am compared to where Jesus is. You know, that needs to be my curve, not other people. And so you may look and say, Brian, you know all this stuff. That makes no difference. I don't know everything Jesus knows, and I don't, I'm not exactly like him. I need to continue to grow and be like him. No matter if I, if I pass the rest of the world, if you have passed the rest of the world in your spiritual ability and maturity level, if you don't look like Jesus, you still got work to do. And I do too. And so here's the thing. But I can tell you that there was a whole heap load of fleshly items. Uh, it was like a chunk, like... Phase one, get rid of this you know, stuff. There was a whole chunk of fleshly stuff that I had to get rid of early on. And after I got rid of that stuff, well now kind of in phase two, that stuff didn't bother me to be rid of it anymore. It wasn't burdensome to me at all. Matter of fact, it was a joy not to have that stuff. you know. And that's, that's the way the things of God can get to you, where it really is a joy. And isn't that good news? Because... There was a time back way over here where I was like, that looks like it hurts to be a Christian, you know. It looks so burdensome. And in my mind, it was burdensome, but in reality, it wasn't. It was actually lighter, more free, out of the junk, out of the bondage. I just didn't know it then. So, And even when I was coming through that process, sometimes it still felt like a burden. But I'm telling you, the more you step out of it, the less and less burdensome it becomes, and it proves this love of God that you have for Him. So, now let's look at verse 4 and 5. It says this, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has, 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 past tense, is already done. That has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now it says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith or our belief. And then it says, who is the one that overcomes? The one who believes in what? Jesus is the Son of God. Now you notice, I don't overcome the world, let's say in... Uh, a body that needs healed by believing in healing. I'm, what a, how am I going to overcome the world? How am I going to overcome? I'm not believing in healing. Now I'm going to tell you that I taught this wrong for many years. And I, and I would have said, you know, you categorize all this stuff and your faith level and this thing and everything. And look, my knowledge of healing and who God is, that did affect whether or not I believed in Him and believed in what He had done for me, and then I reaped what I had sown. But what, you're, what you have faith in, let me put it this way, everything you need in your world that needs to be overcome was done when you accepted Christ. That's the way to put it. You don't have to turn each individual thing into an exercise and a price you have to pay. No, the price has already been paid. 
You're not going to pay a higher price than Jesus did for your healing, your provision, your protection. It's all in Him. Now that doesn't mean that you don't have areas to grow in and to continue to grow in your knowledge. But I'm telling you, it's done. It's finished. And it's awesome. Because I need it to be done. Because I ain't good enough to do all the stuff I need to do. I need need Jesus to have completed it. You need Jesus to have completed it. And that's what it's saying. Listen to that again. For whatever, verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now if you're a Christian, are you born of God? Then you are an overcomer. You overcome the world and its ways. You do it. It's in you. You may not have been doing it, but it's in you. You are an overcomer in Christ. This is God telling you who you are. You're an overcomer. Well, I don't feel like an overcomer. That makes no difference. We weren't asking if you felt like you were an overcomer. We're telling you that if you're born of God, you are one. It's a big difference. Get revelation on that. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, I would say this too. Your faith is a powerful tool and a powerful instrument of God. Powerful in your hands. And and don't just throw it away like, okay, I believe Jesus once and now I don't have to use it again. No, it's ongoing. It's an ongoing thing. In other words, when I'm believing for healing here, I'm believing that He is my healer. I'm believing that He's my healer. Amen? If I forget that He's my healer, I may have trouble getting manifestation of that. I've got to keep faith in the hope that He's already healed me. Alright? So, and then He says, Who is the one who overcomes the world but He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, it says this in uh, Romans 8.37. Think about this. Think about what this is saying. Still talking about overcoming, okay? But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. Through your faith in healing? No. Through Him. And, and what's the key ingredient here? Who loved you? Through Jesus, who loved you. So what we're believing in, we're not believing in healing. We're believing in, does God love me? Because if He loves me, then I'm healed. If He loves me, I'm provided for. If He loves me, I'm protected. If He loved me, I I have all the restoration and deliverance I need. I am set free in Him. If He loves me, well, it's it's easy in a way for us to say He loves me than it is I'm healed. Because He loves me is an intangible thing, but a healing is a tangible thing. Well, that should have just made getting healed a lot easier for you. Does God love you? Well, yes, He does. Yes, He does then I'm healed. Period. Exclamation point. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm set free. Because He loves me. And now look at the rest of these verses. 
Look at this. So strong. But in all these things, we overwhelm in all these things. In all these things. We not just conquer, we overwhelmingly conquer. Overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. Through Him. Through His love that He has for you. That's what it's saying. And He says, now, if it's based off of His love, then watch this. For I am convinced. Now this is Paul who understood grace and the power of God and saw all kinds of miracles and I mean just great big stuff in God. And he says this, I am convinced. You think he was solid on this? Do you think in his belief, you know, the guy who wrote half, at least half of the New Testament, he was convinced of something? That would mean it was pretty strong. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us, 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 all of us, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in other words, all that stuff that would come against you, nothing's going to separate you from the love that will conquer and overwhelm it. Nothing will separate you from the love of Christ, which he has already pronounced it is an overcomer of those things. So whatever I'm facing, is it already overcome? Yes, it is. It's already done. God already has an answer for it. Praise God. He's already got a solution, and he's already made the payment. It's just a simple decision of, am I going to believe that he loves me? Does he love me? Oh, yes, he does. Going back to the same verses in the message, 1 John 5, verse 4 and 5. Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. And when in that statement he's saying, so Jesus was the one sent from God to be a part of us and us a part of Him, the one who would bring and save us from everything, the one who would redeem us, the one who would restore us, deliver us, protect us, all of that, provide for us. He was the one, and if He was the one, and I believe on Him, He's a part of me, I'm a part of Him, and anything, nothing can conquer or overwhelm Him. And now the person that knows that and steps into that, the, the devil can't do anything with. They're kept. In Christ. That doesn't mean that that person couldn't eventually get off of that way of thinking. But when they operate in that, there's nothing the devil can do with them. The devil's scared of that person. Literally. He's scared of that person. That doesn't mean you go out there and taunt the devil. It just means, hey, I know who I am in Jesus. Because I know who he is. I know he loves me. I know he loves you. Amen? Now, I told you to watch, if you look in verse 1 and then you look in verse 5, it talks about Jesus is, if you pulled up your notes, the next section says, and this is what we end on quickly, the power in, in who Jesus is. Have you ever noticed in the world, so this is somewhat breaking out of the verses, but it's important because it's been all through 1 John, and I noticed a pattern as we were going through all these verses. Have you ever noticed in the world that it's like 
you can pray. You know, they'll even allow prayer to God. But for goodness sake, don't say the name of Jesus. You can do this, but don't say Jesus. You can do this, but don't bring Jesus into it. There's something about that name. <laughs> There's something about that name. And I noticed as we were reading through 1 John, there was a whole bunch of believe Jesus is, this, that. And let, let's just go first to Matthew chapter 22. I found this very interesting that Jesus, while he was standing in front of the Pharisees, they were gathered together and Jesus asked them a question, Matthew twenty-two forty-one, And Jesus asked them this question, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? There's a power in knowing who Jesus is and what he is. And they said to him, the son of David. And then he asked them a question. But I, he was getting them to think about who's the son? Who is he? The son of man. Who is he? Who did he come from? What did he come with? Who is Jesus? And then in John chapter 20, now this same John who wrote 1 John, and towards the end of the book, he's saying this. He's, at the end of the book, he's got one more chapter to finish up some events, but as he's kind of wrapping up what happened, he asks this. He says this. He says, uh, John 20, verse 30 and 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is. I want you to pay attention to anything that says Jesus is. Okay, he, We wrote these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ or you remember we talked about Christ. Christ is the anointed one and his anointing. So when he's saying he is the one from God and he comes with a power to anoint you for that. So he says Jesus is the anointed one and his anointing, the son of God, the child of God. And that believing you may have life in his name. So this is John writing these things out so that you would know that. And look in verse Acts chapter 9, verse 22. I did that all backwards. Acts 9.22, But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ, is the anointed one. See, here's how he was winning people. He was proven that Jesus was the anointed one. There's a power in knowing who he is. Now let's keep on going. For uh, Romans 8.34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who also intercedes for us. 1 Corinthians 12.3 Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So are you seeing before we step into 1 John are you seeing that there's some power statements around Jesus is? Okay. 
Now let's step into 1 John that we've been in for, and, and you'll notice, you'll remember some of these that we've gone over. And it's in there over and over and over again. You'll notice that he asked us in 1 John to believe different things about Jesus. So, 1 John chapter 2, verse 22. It says, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ or is the anointed one? So in other words, somebody who's doing right is going to say Jesus is the anointed one and his anointing. They're going to say he's the Christ. He's the Christ. All right. So somebody who believes would say Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed one and his anointing. He's the Christ. This is what somebody that believes would say. All right. Verse uh, John, First John four two, and verse two and three. By this you know that the Spirit of God. You can tell what's the Spirit of God and what's not. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus that does not confess Jesus is not from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that that it is coming and now it is already in the world. So he's saying that we believe and we confess Jesus is the Christ. And now something else. Jesus is come from God in the flesh. He's the Christ and he's come from God. And he came in the flesh. So there's two separate statements. It's not the same statement. It's acknowledging similar things, but it's saying Jesus is this and Jesus is that. That's what a believer would say. 1 John 4.15 Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God See, we've said he's the Christ, we've said he's come in the flesh, but now we're saying he is the Son. Then in First uh, John, the, what we read first tonight, uh, that whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That he believes again, he's the Christ. It's, a, it's saying that one more time. And then verse 5, who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So, he's the Christ, he's born of God, he's come in the flesh, he's the Christ again, and now again, he's the Son of God. That Jesus is these things. And who is the one that believes these things? The one who's of God, and the one who overcomes the world. So let me show you this. If the devil can get you off of Jesus, he can take away your overcoming. And he's got a plan out there to get Jesus off of your lips and out of your mind and out of your heart. Say something, anything else. Say, say and this is one, and this is going to be funny, but say it, it's, thank you little baby Jesus. Because this is not the same Jesus that died yet. He was the promise, but in the movie a few years ago, they, they were you know praying to little baby Jesus. I don't know if you saw the movie or not. And a lot of people will say, little baby Jesus. And what's that doing? It's pulling away from who Christ is. Not just that he was born, but that rather that he died, like Paul said. That he, was, he died and rose again for you to bring you back to life. There's a lot of things that will pull away. Well, you can say, don't say God, say the big man in the sky. Don't say his name. Why? Why does the devil want us to do this? 
Because if he can do this, he can get us off of the power of who Jesus is. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He, he, think about that. He is the, the anointed one. And he is the anointing to break you out of everything that you need to be broke out of. He is the Son of God. Well, if we take away that part, it doesn't look as like God's love is quite as big. And so he wants, the devil wants us to forget that. That God loved you so much that he gave a man that was called Emmanuel, God with us. He, he gave a part of himself to come down inside of, inside of mankind and to mingle with and be a part of. And now a man go back up to the throne of God and sit with God. He was that much that he wanted to call you children and he wanted to call him son and we could call him daddy and father. That he was born of God. The devil wants you to forget this. He wants you to get off of Jesus. And get off. And I'm, I'm talking about just the name of Jesus too. He wants to water it down. He wants to, to chip away at it so that you'll stop using it. He wants you, well, you can pray, just don't pray in Jesus' name. And I've told, I'm like, well then, we ain't praying. That's not praying. He wants to get you off of Jesus. And you see in the world how it's a concern. They can pray to all kinds of other things and people don't really raise a fuss. But oh goodness, you bring Jesus into it. Why? Because the devil knows there's power in who Jesus is. There's power in his name. There's power in who he is in your life. There is power in Jesus. He is Lord. You know, it says you can't even say he's the director of my life. See, our focus needs to be on Jesus. The Holy Spirit's always going to be pointing you to Jesus. And the devil wants to get you off of him. But the ones who stay on Jesus are the ones who overcome the world. The ones who believe Jesus is the Son of God. They will overcome the world. So don't forget about Jesus. And don't let your prayers be watered down. Don't let your life be watered down by a bunch of people trying to be politically correct. It doesn't mean that you have to go and blow them out of the water. But don't you forget the power of who Jesus is. This is what the devil is attacking. He's trying to attack your ability to be an overcomer and bring about the will of God in this earth. And that's why it's important to know and to stand on the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. We'll pick up again next week. And uh, Lord, we just thank you. We give you the glory tonight. We praise you for everything that you're doing. Lord, thank you that we have the ability to be overcomers on this earth. Partners with you. Leading this world into places of light. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for my Lord. Thank you for Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, Jesus. Thank you for Jesus, Father. Thank you for becoming a part of us. Thank you for joining with us. Lord, we just praise you and we love you and we thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great night.